<laughs> yeah, it's fucking dumb. Because I feel the same way. Like, I'm like, I'm going to get rid of it. Yeah. And then I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, like, they sent me something like, oh, loyalty customer. You're going to stay $7. So I was like, whatever. Seven fucking dollars. Same. I'm just like, uh-huh. And then they were like, you can only I keep wanting movies. to delete it because, like, certain movies will come out. Yeah, they're like only three movies. Then I see none for the month. Yeah. And I'm like, and wow. I'm like, well, that's expensive. I know. <laughs> then, then I'll be like, and I'll be like, well, how many times a week am I? Do I pay for a movie though? True. And then I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. And then like, and seven I'm like bucks. the other time it's a screening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's eight dollars. It's like, fine. Uh, fine. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to a Nerdy Bunch presentation of Back to the Feature, where myself, English Dave, and my co-host, Raven. What's up, Raven? Talk about what movies up? from the past in the present. Movies that, movies that are 20 years or older. This week, we're doing the final movie of our Halloween special series, which we started off with Halloween, the original 1978 movie. Then we went on to John Carpenter's The Thing. And this week we strayed away from John Carpenter and decided to look at another classic movie, The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's movie. What year did it come out? Damn it, I should have had that. Shit, right. 80. Damn it, Dave. I was going so well. I was so Hold smooth on. too. You were it was so smooth what? until it wasn't. <laughs> um, 1980. <laughs> it was 1980. This movie was released uh, May 26, 1980 on a budget, estimated budget of $19 million, and it made a gross grand total in theaters of $44 million US. And I think that was pretty good. Not so bad. Yeah, not too, not I mean, bad. it made way more than I thought it would. It's one of those movies as well where um, it wasn't received so well initially. Uh, fans didn't really like it. Some critics liked it, some didn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't that movie that would go on to become seen as the masterpiece it is seen today. Uh, Raven. We're going to start off as we usually start with movies like this. Does this movie have any place in your life at some point? Did you watch it when you're younger? Is there any story with your grandma? Usually with you and horror, there's a story with your grandma. Um, how did this film, how did it come to you in your life? Hmm. Um, the Shining is one of those movies that I grew up seeing all the scenes too. I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched the movie from start to finish like I did recently. Um but I feel like you always kind of grow up with the scenes, you know, there's either homages to or there's so many parodies of just the specific scenes in the movie, you know, um, Danny riding the tricycle. Um, here's Johnny. Um, yeah, here's Johnny. You know, um, I'm going to bash your head in. Like, there's a lot of things that you knew without having to watch it, you know, without having to watch it. You know, even, for example... Um, most recent one in, in Ready Player One, they almost had yeah. spot on an exact replica. It was like 15 minutes of just The Shining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, it's definitely like rewatching the movies. Like, oh, I've been here before. You know, uh, I almost Toy like Story. There's a lot of, a lot of, in the original Toy Story, there's a lot of Shining references in the original Toy Story film. Mm. Oh, true. With um, what's called Sid. His, his, we'll go into it later in references, but Sid, his like room is, I think the carpet is the same as The Shining and certain references and certain shots. So yeah, you're right. I think The Shining is one of those like most referenced horror film, both in, uh, in what happens and also in how the camera shots and uh, dialogue quotes as well. I think it's one, it's up there. I think that's what keeps it in pop culture. You know, it keeps, people keep, you have used it. I mean, Simpsons have used it. 
sometimes, mm. you know? Yeah, exactly. Family Guy. There's so many comedies that have come from that movie, you know, let alone, um, let alone like horror movies, you know? No, The Shining, again, I think for me, it's the same thing as you were. I had watched it when I was younger. I'd never watched it. I haven't watched it in my adult years. But as a, as a kid or teenager, I did watch it. I didn't really like it that much. It was all those movies where I was just like, oh, it's too long and boring. Uh, why does everyone like this movie? But as I grew older, I began to, I began to understand its impact on film. And then watching it again recently, it made me realize a couple of things. You know, it's one of those films where the more you watch it, the more you see. And Stanley Kubrick is one of those filmmakers that he makes the certain types of films that are supposed to be cerebral, that there aren't any answers. You know, they are, they, they're ambiguous. And you can see a lot of his traits in modern day filmmakers like Christopher Nolan, who clearly is his, takes a lot of homages from Kubrick. A lot of his films are are similar in the tone of the way they make it. There was a scene in The Shining where we go into the maze and I was just like, this just feels like Inception right now. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. There's so many scenes that it's like, it's like, oh, it's just like this movie, yeah. you know? But it, it's crazy because you have to remember like, oh yeah, they did, the other this way movie was made first, yes. you know? Speaking of firsts, this was that the first movie to use a Steadicam, the DP of this film. That's what I was going to say. When I was watching it, I was like, they didn't have fucking steady cams in 1980, <laughs> did they? Like, I, it was driving me nuts. I was literally watching the film like, there's no way in hell they had a dolly track that was this long. There's no, well, there's no way in hell they had like a camera system rigged to the floor. I was like, nah, this had to be a steady cam. But then I was also like, I want to see this steady cam. It's probably huge. general thoughts on the film itself uh, as a story this is an adaptation watching it recently raven do you see mm -hmm. any new insights uh, how did you look at it as a horror film or just as mm -hmm. a film that has impacted film as a as a whole um i didn't really realize the first time that i watched it that it was a film about people with sensitivity to um paranormal it's a superhero movie yeah it's pretty awesome um I didn't realize the movie was such a good insight, I guess, to uh, clairvoyance, clairsentency, uh, empathic abilities. Um, I didn't really realize that supernatural or, um, I guess, fictional aspect of it. Not fictional. I don't know what you call it. I guess, yeah, supernatural aspect of it or metaphysical aspect of it. I didn't realize um, how much it went in depth. And honestly, I can say it. Like I said before, I want to read the book now because I realized how much research, I guess, Stephen King actually did on, you know, um, haunted houses and people with sensitivities. I think that he really did a good job of finding out that other side of like, you know, how it really would be in, in a realistic way. The movie itself, I felt, was kind of dramatic, you know, compared to like what it was talking about, but... In terms of actual filmmaking, I absolutely loved the filmmaking of it. Yes. So it's kind of like, it's weird, it's conflicting. Yeah. Right? So I do know that behind the scenes, Stephen King and, you know, Stanley Kubrick were having beef a little bit. Yeah. So because of that, I think I kind of understand where that is. I, you could almost feel it in watching it. You know, it's yeah. like, this story is awesome and this movie is very well made it's like awesomely made but mm. the two together don't exactly gel yeah no i agree I, I really i enjoyed the film and like watching it recently and i haven't watched this film from the eye from the point of view as a filmmaker 
And as a filmmaker, I love it. I think, you know, it does a lot of technical things really, really well. And things that the mm-hmm. attention to detail in, in the directing and the set design and the cinematography would inspire yeah. so many films. The art direction. Oh, it's so good. So beautiful. Like this, the composition of the oh. scenes. Well, I don't know if we're on that part yet. But in terms of story, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, we're talking about overall. I mean, yeah, we're in that film. part. Yeah. So overall, yeah, I think, I think execution. Yeah. Yes. Was like execution of just a well put together film. I think they killed it. Yes. But in terms of was this story the right choice for that uh, film? You know, yes. technically. Yes. That's where you have to. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. I agree. Let's talk about some of those stuff in detail. Acting. This is famously has Jack Nicholson, but it also starred mm-hmm. she- um, Shelley Duvall and Kid Daddy Lloyd. I think, I think at the beginning I didn't like his acting, but ultimately I really liked his acting. The kid. See, I will say, <laughs> I feel like the thing is, most of the actors in the movie kind of had no range. Yeah. So it kind of just depends on which scene actually yes. accommodates yes. the way that they've been the whole time. <laughs> I agree. So it's like. The wife was always in a panic. We just didn't have a reason no, for her to be panicking, panicking for the first hour. And then the last hour and a half, hour and 20, she had reasons to panic. So her acting was amazing. Right? <laughs> then same with the kid. It's like in the beginning, the kid is just weird, you know? And he's like in a normal setting. So you don't understand. This is a weird fucking kid talking to his finger. Like, that's strange, bro. And then when he gets to the hotel... And some weird ass shit is going on. You're like, oh, nah, it's okay. I get it now. Yes. You're traumatized. Yes. So you get to be weird now. So this <laughs> acting is amazing. And then same with Jack Nicholson. I couldn't really tell. Like, in terms of watching the story itself unfold, mm. I knew the moment where, you know, it was too late. When he accepted a drink from the bartender, you know, his last words before accepting the drink was, I would give my soul for a beer yes. right now. Yes. Then the bartender pops up. You know, gives him in a red, drink. In a red suit. Exactly, in a red suit. You know, everything's on the house. You know, your money's no good here. Whatever. Yeah, your your credit's good. As long as yeah, exactly. Your credit. credit's good in the first scene. And then the yeah. next scene that we see him, he's like, you know, your money's no good here. But yeah. regardless, when that whole thing happens, he takes the drink. And, you know, we as the audience know, boom, he's accepted, you know, this whatever he's accepted this possession he's accepted Mm. the drink from the devil you know so you're now in this business uh contract whatever you know and i felt like at that moment we all know but in terms of acting uh it was the same guy (laughs) you know when he sat down at the bar when he leaves the bar he's the same guy in that it's the same exact guy yeah and that's my problem it's my same problem with jack nicholson as the joker in the batman movie yeah where he he just stays at eleven, and in 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 the correct scene, like you said, in the in the right scene, it works. But in other scenes, it doesn't, and it just seems over the top. And I think this specifically, Joker can get away with it more because Joker demands more over the top than not. But in this film, I never thought he cared about his family, ever. No, at all. <laughs> like because he starts at eleven. It's like from the beginning, you're like, well, this guy's gonna be a killer, instantly. Even if you didn't know the story, I think even if I feel like even if I hadn't seen the film at all, it instantly tells you. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Even in certain di- lines of dialogue, it's it's very foreboding. Where he's having the interview and the guy's like, "Well, X what years ago, guy went crazy and killed his family with an axe." And it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's gonna happen. 
And he's like, oh, I'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, I guess uh, I guess that's that foreshadowing. See, I ended up finding out that behind the scenes, Stanley Kubrick is like bullying her in real life to provoke yeah. her. So that when she was on scene, she was like actually lashing out basically yeah. towards Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Um, which makes sense, you know, but I will also say to his directing, no matter how how fucked up it may be, you can tell these actors were struggling. So he yeah. got a hell of a performance out of well, everyone to some extent. This, this film is famously known for its crazy um, production because mm. what would happen was there's a famous behind the scenes stuff where Jack Nicholson's like, I just stopped reading my script because every day it's a different script. They were writing scripts on the set. Um, there's certain lines where um, Kubrick would have them go over it like a hundred times mm-hmm. so that he would actually get Jack Nicholson actually angry in real life <laughs> to get the emotion out of him. Like he, like actors would get frustrated and angry with Kubrick and just like go nuts. <clears throat> but he was doing that on purpose to them. So like a lot yeah, of the I frustration heard, But I also feel like the actress, like, when, and even the little boy, like they, you know, with all of the provoking still a struggle of a performance (laughs) you know so i feel like i can only imagine what take one was like in comparison to take 100 that we saw i just didn't like the idea in terms of how her character was written in the sense that you know like i don't understand i didn't like that she didn't have any redeemable qualities of a wife yes yes like in the scene where he's talking to the bartender and he says the whole the old sperm bake thing it really explains how he feels about her yeah because that's just kind of her role in the movie she's a sperm bank like she's just kind of there and especially after knowing that in the in the original book she's more of that strong maternal character yeah and you could tell she was supposed to be this strong like she calls him out on his shit and stuff like that like even her even her um locking him in the the fridge the storage closet yeah, and then leaving yeah. she never came back for him yeah you know that one moment i feel like in a lot of movies we would have seen you know a, a typical like weak moment or whatever she would have come back in the middle of the night mm. or, or in that moment when he was like i'm sorry she would have just went over and opened the mm. door but instead she went upstairs and went to bed yeah you know i'm just, I'm just curious as in t- i wish we saw because i guess because jack Nicholson's character was at 11 to begin with i wish he saw more of a happy family to begin with why to make us understand why she would go on this five month stay with him. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you leave with that dude? He's yeah, crazy. like this version. I, I don't understand. And like, that. they gave the hint of him being abusive to his son, which is like, exactly okay. But I feel like him having no violent history would have really made or, for a better wow moment, you know? Or maybe he had a violent history years ago, but he's actually working on it. And exactly. she's had him be like, he's like, okay, I haven't done anything in a while. She's in control of the situation. Even if they and had then, a word together. You yeah, know? Exactly. Like uh like I saw um, what's his name? Meet the parents recently, right? Muskrat yeah. Jack. <laughs> you know? Like just a one word, woosa. <laughs> anything. Like anything like just a simple yeah. word could have showed us that they had some type of relationship yes. outside of her being the mother of his kid and him being yes. like stuck with her like i was like was this marriage arranged did you ever yeah. like her were you raped yeah. like what did happened <laughs> like it's just kind of like someone here is being held against their free will mm. like it just i don't know i didn't feel the chemistry of any of them no, like never no. i never felt anything paternal from him that's a good point there was no chemistry 
Yeah, there was no chemistry, I think, between any of the actors. Like, I mean, no. granted, the mom and the son, I, I, I believe it. I believe that, yeah. you know, yeah. I believe it, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, sure. like, Jack Nicholson and anyone. No. 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 Not with the son, not with the mom. I'm like, why is he here? You guys should have just stayed where you're at and sent him away for five months. Let's talk about story beats. This is one of those films where, for me on the story beats, on one side, I do like the fact that it's ambiguous. It plays with a lot of stuff in the supernatural realm because it doesn't quite answer the question of what is actually going on. Because we see supernatural hints before they get to the the hotel, right? Exactly. And, and with the boy. And then um, we're told, A, that the hotel's built on an Indian burial, burial ground. We're yeah, also which told, never like, comes up again. But then we're also told that whole bunch of like atrocities have happened over the years yeah but we only ever really hear about the one yeah exactly and so it's like so is it the house itself or the ghosts in the house or is it the 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 son and the dad coming to that that's making it happen or is it a whole bunch of of it all and i kind of like that ambiguity in some places but then the other places i don't i like the thought that like the kid from what i gathered the kid himself is extremely powerful. He's like a clairvoyant, like very strong. Yeah. I think they both guy. have the He's same connected. power. I think they both came from the same thing, which is why yeah. I, you know, they went out of their way to have the um, the scat man. What's his actual yeah, yeah, name? Right. Uh, uh, his, I forget uh, his name in the Crumbers. movie. That's his real name. That's his real name. I know, yeah. but I'm saying scat I don't man know Crumbers. his name in the movie. Uh, Holleran. All right, so Holleran, yeah. yeah. So Holleran, you know, gave us that foreshadowing moment of you know some people. Ignore have it. The shining. You know, basically every you know other people have it, but some people don't pay attention to it, kind of thing. So I think that that's what they were hinting at in Jack yes. Torrance's character, which is fine. So I think that what it is is like the house. I think the hotel itself had some things going on. Not everyone can detect it though, because exactly. they're super sensitive. The hotel was able to get to them, yes. but I think had they not been sensitive, they would have been fine in the hotel, same as the wife was. But I think yeah. the wife got caught up in so much crazy that by the end of the movie, she started losing her shit too, and she became sensitive to some stuff. I feel like it's like Star Wars, and Jack and his son and Danny are like Luke and Darth Vader, and the house is the Force. True. And it's like the force can be used for good or for evil. It can pull you into one side or the other. True. And in fact, at the end, it almost becomes about like father versus son, you know, the father hunting the son yeah. through the maze. You know, it's like Darth Vader chasing Luke. And actually in the in the in the book, um the the the, the finger thing, is it what's his name? Tommy? Or? Tony. Tony. That's the thing too. I'm mad we never actually Don't figured out anything man. about Tony. Well, here's a fun fact. In the book Tony is actually Danny from the future projecting himself to the past to help himself out. Oh. Yeah, that's how deep it goes. Yeah. Damn it. I want to see a real <laughs> Shining movie. I want to see I want to see The Shining based on the book, damn it. Like granted this movie's cool. I like this movie. But <laughs> there is a version based on the book Stephen King directed it himself for it was a made for a TV movie and it was like 4 hours long and it's boring and trash. Uh Yeah. Well, I also director. heard that apparently Stephen King was sending, um, wrote a screenplay and <laughs> Kubrick never looked at it. In terms of the directing and the cinematography and everything, Kubrick is known to be one of those directors that's like obsessive. 
super obsessed well you with can this tell i was gonna say the symmetry in his shots his shot composition the color palettes the oh, literally if you beautiful. pause any frame within this movie it's amazing you know especially like I guess it's practical effects, but the whole um, hallway scene when the blood starts bursting out is beautiful. You know, just the colors, even just the colors, you know, the the contrast of the yellow and tan walls with the with the purplish dark red blood, you know, or or the scene where he's in the in the bathroom, in the bathroom, you know, with the green and then the really slow camera movements or the extreme, you know, panins or or, or following the the kid as he cycles through with, like you said, the steady cam, mm -hmm. you get that, that sensation that someone is following him. Exactly. You know, and then the sound as he goes over the carpet to the wood, to the carpet, to the wood. Like, I was going to say the sound design is also amazing. We didn't sound talk about sound design. Great. The sound is so well. Like I was actually watching the movie and um, I, I usually watch movies, at least if I'm watching it for the second time, I definitely watch it with the captions on. Yeah. So I was watching it with the captions on and I was thinking to myself, wow, man, like this is one of those things that I feel like, like just the captions don't do it justice at all like no, some no. films i feel like you know if if it's loud in the background whatever you could kind of listen to it on silent and hmm. or put it on silent and just read the captions and be all right you know i was like nah this movie the sound is so good that it almost almost like solely makes the horror aspect of it you know i oh, feel no, like the sound, I if you put it on has... mute it's a ridiculous movie <laughs> like if you got rid of all the sound mixing and the sound design it would be a whole different movie a completely different tone Regardless of how awesome the shot composition is. I think it's one of those movies that uses sound and visuals in such a great way where it goes against traditional horror. Mm-hmm. Because the house it, the house isn't a dark, gloomy house. No. It's bright and inviting. And it wants you to come in. And when you were first introduced to it, I mean the hotel, I should say, not house. The hotel itself, when we were first introduced to it, it's beautiful. It's lit, brightly lit. You know, like it's... Yeah. It wants Most you to, of it I, is I brightly there. lit. There's almost no dark scenes. Everything no. is fully lit. Yeah. But they then use that same beauty to make it creepy because you're like alone in that beauty. Mm-hmm. And we have wide shots and the sound is creepy and unsettling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the sound doesn't time perfect with what's going on on screen. Like you zoom into a character's face and you expect it to go, and it doesn't. And it's just creepy. And it's just sound, it doesn't, silent. but it just keeps zooming in though. Yes. It's it some of like the in. slowest zoom ins to where you're almost wondering if it's you or the camera. You're yeah. like, am I just focusing in right now or is the camera actually zooming and they're like okay cool yeah it's the camera but it makes it creepy it's a movie that's it it's a movie that's creepy and you mentioned in a previous podcast that there's a distinct movie distinct difference between something that's creepy and something that's scary Mm -hmm. and this is something that's creepy this is eerie and it also deals with themes and yeah i guess while we're wrapping it up let's let's also talk about the themes it deals with in terms of horror you know like it, it deals with desolation isolation cabin fever which i I love you know it also deals with the paranormal Mm. um you know addiction oh yeah addiction Addiction. overcoming addiction how to overcome you know because he he falls off the wagon and comes back on again and how Mm -hmm. that affects your family and loved ones and people around you yep you know also writer's block for creatives this is clearly stephen king writing about himself you can tell the the character's a writer and he's like, it's writer's block. Stephen King actually came up with the idea while staying at a similar type of hotel itself. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Little things like that. And yeah, this movie would go on. like He loves his writers with writer's block. Yeah. (laughs) Misery. Yep. He wrote Misery, right? I'm not bugging. Sorry? Stephen King wrote Misery, right? Am I having a dumb moment? I think so. I think so. Okay. (laughs) There's actually a book sequel to this as well. It's called Dr. Sleep. 
and um, it shows the return of Holleran, who gets killed in this movie, but Holleran d- doesn't die in the original book. Um, like I said, this movie would go on to inspire a lot of movies, a lot of directors, and I think for me, it's a film that I appreciate for its the technical aspects. The, and I feel like directing. I want to watch it again just to break it down technically, yes. but I, I've ended up spending a lot of time now looking at the behind the scenes and the making of. Yes. You know, more so than the story, you know, I want to read that completely separately and I also yes. want to really look into just... I mean, there's no there's no official shooting script for this because, again, the script kept on changing yeah, exactly. production. And I think that makes sense. I think they could have, Kubrick at the time at least was focusing more on the technical side. And, and it works for this film because as an audience, you're drawn into it. But I think over the years, if you're studying it as a filmmaker in terms of storytelling, it could have been done better in some aspects. And I think some of that comes down to the casting itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed this film uh, overall. Raven, what did you think overall? You enjoyed it overall? I think overall, well, I, I really enjoyed the film. I would still yeah. recommend it, especially for filmmakers. I yes. It's still a really good I see why they study film. this in film school. Yeah, like, exactly. Keep, I get it. Say, it's okay, a classic for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know definitely. whether it be in horror or whatever, I think it's still a classic horror film. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's it for our horror series. Um, the season is over. We're, well, we are literally recording this on Halloween, October thirty first. Although it will be posted tomorrow, November first. It's also final... Dave's birthday. <laughs> yes, it is. I am a Halloween baby. Thanks for the birthday wishes, Raven, and everyone else. Happy birthday, Dave! Birthday. Um, Raven, what are we doing next week? Shit. Uh, I thought we had decided on a movie. Well, we said that we're going to go into like holiday season, but not Chris, not quite Christmas yet. We're okay. Fa- family movies. Family movies, but not Christmas. Yeah. So Christmas. if you guys have any suggestions, let us know. And yes. try to figure it out in the next couple days. Yeah, we'll try and figure out in the next few days because <laughs> we post, post it. it early. But yeah, so find it. So guys, any movies, the rules are it has to be at least 20 years or older and it has to be a family movie, but not set at Christmas. Yes. Awesome. And we need three of them, well, four of them for the month of November. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll let, you know, we'll let you guys know. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on our social media at The Nerdy Bunch. Uh, go to our website, thenerdybunch.com. Every day we, re- we release a podcast. So look out for those. Thank you, Raven, for being here. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. My name is English Dave, and this has been a Nerdy Bunch presentation of Back to the Feature. And this week we spoke about 1980s The Shining. And as always, guys, keep it nerdy. Bye.